Welcome to Windsor Christian Fellowship Church Podcast. Our church vision is to win generations to Christ, connect them to His master plan, empower them to succeed, and grow the kingdom of God. For other podcast resources or more information about Windsor Christian Fellowship, please visit us at www.wcf.ca. Well done, Windsor Christian Fellowship. I'm so happy to be a part of what God is doing here in our church and in our city and in our nation. You know, when we, when we sat down to come up with that campaign, I remember we were like, okay, we got the fatherless, we got the homeless, we got the hungry. And, and you know, God helped us to develop that. But I think for all of you, it's important to understand as Christians, this is how we live. We live a life to give. We live a life to be a blessing to others, and God has given us resources. He's placed them in our hand as a tool so that we can be a blessing to others. So I'd like you as a church to be aware of what's going on all around you because there is many people in our communities that are struggling now, not just at Christmas time. People struggle every day. So we as a church, we have a mission from Christ to be a blessing to others. So look around. Use the things that God has placed in your life as a tool so that you can be a blessing to others. We continue to give each day. Now that said, we've been, we've been working our way through 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14, you know, if then is the title of the series, and we kind of coined this one, pray harder, or really, you know, pray like you've never prayed before. It says, if my people pray, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray. And we talked about humble ourselves and being called by his name. Today I want to talk about if people will pray. And we're going to start in Exodus chapter 34, verse 29. When Moses came down Mount Sinai, carrying the two stone tablets inscribed with the terms of the covenant, he wasn't aware that his face had become radiant because he had spoken to the Lord. You know, that tells me something. When you start spending time with Jesus, you start to look like him. When Moses was talking to God, he started radiating the light of God just from spending time in his presence. And I want you to understand that prayer will help sculpt you to be the image bearer that God has created you to be. I'll say that again. Prayer is what sculpts you into becoming or being the image bearer that God has created you for. And it's really a great way to reflect God's glory to the culture. To others, we spend time in prayer. If you wanna reflect God more accurately, we spend more time in prayer becoming like him. Why? Because when you spend time in prayer, you're starting to get to know him and who he is. The communication with your creator on a daily basis is gonna help you to frame the issues of life. It's gonna help you to form God's perspective on situations. It's gonna help you to form God's perspective on people. Remember, God loves people. And it's also gonna help you to have an understanding as God reveals the sinful issues inside of our own lives. Now, without last week's lesson on humility, you're gonna have a hard time with that statement that I just made about God revealing the sinful things inside of us. But if you're humble, you can acknowledge that you haven't got it all together. I haven't got it all together. Have you got it all together? None of us have it all together. Jesus has it all together. So what happens is as we're praying, God begins to reveal to us things inside of our heart that need to be adjusted or things that need to change. Daily 
communication with God is going to uh, affect your relationship with him. You're gonna get to know him more. And when you learn to know him more, you hear and you obey his voice, and then you'll begin to reflect his nature more perfectly to the world around us. You will never or have a very difficult time reflecting the image of God to the culture until you can receive his love. Image bearers we know are broken because of sin. So when sin comes in, it causes us to be a broken image bearer. But God created everyone with value. Even broken image bearers have value to God because he made them, he created them, he breathed us into existence. And we all have worth and God loves humanity. In fact, he loves humanity so much that he sent Jesus to earth to live among us. But God desires every human to receive his love. And without receiving his love, you're gonna struggle to love others. You're gonna struggle to reflect his image. That's such a core foundational part of what Christianity is, that Jesus came to earth because he loved us. Everyone knows John 3:16, or should, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Why did he give his only son? Because he loved you. I wanna continue in 2 Corinthians chapter three, verse 13 to 18. We are not like Moses who put a veil over his face so the people of Israel would not see the glory, even though it was destined to fade away. So when Moses came off the mountain, the glory of God, I think the Hebrew word is Shekinah or Shekinah, the glory of God was manifest, and the people couldn't even look on him because it was so bright. And we see that they put a veil over his face so that people could talk to him, but we know that that glory, as he got further away from the presence of God or the time that he spent with them on the mountaintop, it eventually faded. It was temporary, which is why it's so important for you and I, we need to go back into the presence of God every single day. But then in verse 14, but the people's minds were hardened and to this day when the old covenant's being read, the same veil covers their minds so they can't understand the truth. And this veil can only be removed or can be removed only by believing in Christ. Yes, even today when they read Moses' writings, their hearts are covered with the veil and they do not understand. But whenever someone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away for the Lord is spirit. And wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So all of us who have had that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord. And the Lord who is spirit makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. Moses' face, when he came off of the mountain, it shone forth the glory of God, the manifest glory of God. But it eventually faded. However, at that time, if the Israelites were afraid of God's glory shining forth from Moses' face, then they didn't have an understanding of their relationship with God and who he was. It was external rules that they were trying to apply to their life. The whole old covenant is really a whole bunch of laws that people tried to keep, but they weren't empowered to do it because their heart didn't change because Jesus hadn't come yet. Once Jesus came, he comes into our life and he changes our heart. Once Jesus changes your heart, you're empowered from within to follow God's law because he writes his law inside of our heart. It becomes a part of our nature. It becomes a part of who we are as Christians. It's easy to live life inside out. It's a part of who we are. It's a part of the new nature. 
It's not supposed to be a challenge. The challenge is putting to death the flesh or crucifying the flesh, putting down our own lust, putting down our own desires, putting down our pride, putting down our selfish ambition, putting down the things that go against the nature of Christ. That's where the challenge is. But living life to the fullest, living life from the inside, living life as God wanted us to, living life to reflect his glory to the world, that's the easy part because he made it a part of who we are at salvation. But if today we're saved by faith, then the glory of God is going to be shining through us. See, once you come into the kingdom of God, he changes your heart and then he puts his glory within us and as we reflect more perfectly his glory to the culture we see god's power inside of our life we live in the new testament the veils removed through faith god changes us now from the inside so we too can be reflectors of his light and reflectors of his glory to the culture that means as you're spending time in prayer and God reveals the sin in us and we repent of the sin and we get in good standing with God because we've repented of the sin because of the blood of Jesus, right? Jesus' blood cleanses us. Then you have righteousness. And as you're living a righteous light, that radiates forth, that reflects forth to the culture and people see the goodness of God. They see the love of God in your life. But if the culture is looking at you and they don't see the goodness of God, then I'm going to suggest you need a little bit more process inside of your heart. Something's not working for you. Father, let your glory be revealed to this city and to this nation through your people. The next thing I want to talk to you about today is pray with conviction and urgency. We should be praying with conviction and urgency like we've never prayed before. You know, when I was going through and we saw an example of this, uh, Ashley and Grace with Kate, and they read it a little bit earlier where we read the Lord's Prayer. Obviously, when Jesus put together a prayer, it's the perfect prayer for us. It's the perfect model of prayer for us. But I was looking through the scriptures and I found another example of someone who prayed with conviction and urgency, and I'm sure there's many. But in Daniel chapter nine, Daniel prays this prayer. Now you gotta remember, Daniel's in captivity. His nation was conquered and he was placed in captivity under another ruler. And sometimes you feel like you're under siege or sometimes you feel like you're living captive in the world that we're in. And there's some Christians that are persecuted to the place where they are in captivity. In Daniel 9, 4, this is what Daniel prayed. Listen to the conviction that he prayed with. I prayed to the Lord my God and confessed, O Lord, you are a great and awesome God. You always fulfill your covenant and keep your promises of unfailing love to those who love you and obey your commands. But we have sinned and done wrong. We have rebelled against you and scorned your commands and regulations. We have refused to listen to your servants, the prophets who spoke on your authority to our kings and princes and ancestors and to all the people of the land. Lord, you are in the right, but as you see, our faces are covered with shame. This is true of all of us, including the people of Judah and Jerusalem and all Israel, scattered near and far. Wherever you've driven us because of our disloyalty to you, O oh Lord, we and our kings, princes and ancestors are covered with shame because we've sinned against you. I'm just going to pause right here. 
I love the way Daniel's praying here because in his prayer we see he puts himself with everyone and he's calling out on behalf of his nation. He's standing in the gap. Daniel was a pretty righteous guy from everything I can read. In fact, I, I haven't read any recorded sin in Daniel's life. I'm sure he wasn't perfect. We know only Christ was. But he was a pretty righteous guy. But he's saying, oh God, forgive our sin. He put himself among his nation with his people. You know, I think of Jesus tells this story. There was the, the Pharisee who thought that it was his own righteousness that earned his way to God, right? And then there was the, the sinner. And the sinner was on his face before God at the altar, crying out to God for forgiveness and for mercy. And the Pharisee was looking over and he was passing judgment going, God, I thank you that I'm not like him. God, I thank you that I'm not like that lowly sinner. And he missed the whole heartbeat and the whole message of the gospel because none of us are any better than anyone else. None of us have arrived. None of us have got it all together. Then Daniel goes on. But the Lord our God is merciful. I think I'm in verse 9. And forgiving. Even though we rebelled against him, we've not obeyed the Lord our God, for we have not followed the instructions he gave us through his servants, the prophets. All Israel has disobeyed your instructions and turned away, refusing to listen to your voice. Now, even through these time periods when Israel was away from God and there was kings that were worshiping false gods, God had a remnant of his people. Do you remember Elijah? He called fire down from, oh God, I'm the only one. No, God said I had 7,000 that wouldn't bow their knee to this false god. There's always more people that are with us than we realize. But in this case, you know, he's praying. I had something I wanted to say. He's praying specifically because even though there was probably some righteous people in Israel, as a whole, the nation rejected God. That's what I wanted to say. So now, the solemn curses and judgments written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, have been poured down upon us because of our sin. You've kept your word and done to us and our rulers exactly as you warned. Never has there been such a disaster as happened in Jerusalem, and every curse written against us in the law of Moses has come true. Well, what's the curses? You see in the book of Deuteronomy, if you keep my commands and obey my teachings, guess what? These things will happen, but if you disobey my commands, these things will happen, all the curses. If you obey, blessing. If you disobey, cursing. Therefore, the Lord, verse 14, our God, our, the Lord has brought upon us disaster he prepared. The Lord our God was right to do these things, for we did not obey him. O Lord our God, you brought lasting honor to your name by rescuing your people from Egypt in a great display of power but we've sinned and are full of wickedness. In view of all your faithful mercies, Lord, please turn your furious anger away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy mountain. All the neighboring nations mock Jerusalem and your people because of our sins and the sins of our ancestors. I mean, you gotta think about the nation of Israel. They were in slavery for like 400 years and God miraculously delivered them from the hand of Egypt under the Pharaoh through Moses. I mean, if you study how the 10 plagues from the the water turning to blood and the frogs and the pestilence and the, in the end, the firstborn died, the Passover, when the angel of death came. And you know, I find it fascinating how the people that witnessed these very miracles still had hard hearts, still disobeyed God. 
And sometimes I listen to people pray, God, you need to do this, and God, you need to do this, and you know what? He is the God of miracles, and he still works miracles today. I haven't figured out fully all the rhyme and reason to why God chooses to do miracles when he chooses to do them or not when he chooses not to. But I can tell you this much. He's God. He knows. He's got a plan. He's got a purpose. But see, there's another story that Jesus tells about I think it's Lazarus and the rich man. And the rich man's in hell. And and Lazarus, you know, is on the other side. And the rich man's like, oh, just let me go back and warn my family, if you remember the parable that Jesus is talking about. And Jesus makes a statement, or I think he says Lazarus says, but even if one were to raise from the dead, he says they wouldn't believe because their hearts are hard. And you know, Jesus rose from the dead and people still don't believe. We have lots of proof. We have lots of evidence for the resurrection of Jesus, yet people still don't believe. Daniel concludes in verse 19. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen and act. For your own sake, do not delay, O my God. For your people in your city bear your name. You know, Israel was still in captivity for 70 years before they were delivered. If we pray with the urgency and the conviction of Daniel, then we have an understanding that the Spirit of God within us is greater than the Spirit that's in the world. If we go to God first, okay, catch this, then he isn't relegated to your little Hail Mary that you throw to him at the final moment. I mean, you know what a Hail Mary is in football. At the end of the game, they throw the ball. I mean, they rarely work unless you're Aaron Rodgers playing against the Detroit Lions, but that's another story. Daniel understood if then. He understood cause and effect. Daniel understood these things, and I'm going to say, if you are apathetic in your prayer life, then you will be weak in your faith. It's like cramming the night before an exam or trying to train for a marathon in three days or trying to lose 20 pounds in four days. If your conviction is prayer, then your faith will be strong. We should be praying right now with a greater urgency. Many of the freedoms that we enjoy, even here in Canada, are being challenged. We see secular humanism is running rampant within our culture. I'm not sure how many of you have even paid any attention to what's happening in the political landscape here in Canada, in Ontario, in Windsor, in LaSalle, in Essex, in Leamington. But nationally, you should be aware of Bill C-6 and what that represents. You should be aware of Bill C-7 and what's going on with that because there's some things that they're working on that are coming down the pipe that are gonna make life a little bit more complicated for Christians living in the land. And there's even been conversations amongst our elected officials to deregulate charities, specifically religious charities like churches. You know, there's another bill you might wanna pay attention to, and I'm not saying I'm against this one, but C-233 is definitely an interesting bill that's on the table right now. I think it's sad that we have to have such a bill, but hey, it might be a step in the direction we need to go. But that leads me to ask this question. Where are the watchmen? And where are the warriors? 
If you're not aware of the implications of Bill C-6 or C-7, how are you going to pray for your nation? How are you going to join in prayer with others to lift up our nation? I think too many Canadians are too focused on what's happening in the country south of us, and they know more about what's happening south of us than they do what's happening in our own land. Where are the watchmen? Where are the warriors? In Colossians chapter 1, I'll read verse 3 first. We always pray for you and give thanks to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I'm going to jump to verse 9, just to save a little bit of context. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He's enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light, for he's rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear Son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. If the watchmen are watching, then we should be aware of the enemy's movements. If the watchmen are praying, then we should be a step ahead of our enemies. Currently in our culture, right now today, the enemy is working through deception and division. Division is a tool that the enemy is using to destabilize churches, families, friendship groups, and even nations. There is so much division out there right now, it's totally opposite the nature and the character of Christ, which wants to bring us all together in the unity of the faith. When we look at these things, you know, whether I agree or disagree with his policies or his character, I am still required by my Father in heaven to pray for our Prime Minister. I am still required by my Father God to pray for our Premier, to pray for the Mayor, to pray for the elected officials. It's not about what I agree with or disagree with. It's about are we willing to humble ourselves and pray that the God of the universe is going to steer the heart of the kings. If the warriors are praying, then fear is not present. If the warriors are praying, then anxiety is not present. If the warriors are praying, then there's no doubt. If the warriors are praying, then hatred is not present. If the warriors are praying, then they should have some endurance. If the warriors are praying, if you're praying, you should have patience. Oswald Chambers, he talks about how prayer does not equip us for greater works. Prayer is the greater work. If prayer is the greater work, then prayer does not equip us to do greater works. If prayer is the battle, then your duty is to pray. That's also a Oswald Chambers, in my utmost for his highest. You know, I find it interesting. Monday through Friday, we stream one hour of prayer and then we post it, so you can stream it anytime. I'm baffled by relatively how few join in to the corporate prayer times that we've put out there for the church. I wonder how many Christians right now due to disconnection, are becoming very apathetic and they're letting down their guard. 
I wonder how many Christians are taking it easy. I wonder how many aren't even tuning in today because you know it's just too easy not to because there's very little accountability through a device. But my challenge to all of you is we should be praying like we've never prayed before. We should be corporately joining together as often as we can and if we have to stream together every day, then you can tune in after work, you can tune in in the morning, you can tune in the next morning, you can tune in at night, you can tune in whenever you want. Tune in for 15 minutes, tune in for 30 minutes, tune in for the whole hour. It'll transform something inside of you. It requires discipline. But the truth is, if prayer is the battle, then your duty is to pray. And if we are praying harder, if we're praying like we've never prayed before, we should be praying more. And we should be praying more. And we should be praying more. We see everywhere all around us the spirit of Antichrist that's in the earth. We must be praying. You know, every living person is marching towards eternity. And Christ came to earth as a perfect image of what God wanted humans to reflect. Image bearers. And God wants us to be his image bearers in the world that we live in. Despite our imperfections, he's working within us and through us so that he can accomplish his purposes. And as we pray, as we humble ourselves, as we seek his face, we're going to go on to that, you know, as we do those things, what happens is God starts working in us so that we can better reflect his image to the world around us. But if people are looking at your life and you're not reflecting the glory of God, then what are you reflecting? The glory of man? Are you reflecting hope or are you reflecting discouragement? Are you reflecting joy or are you miserable? Are you reflecting anger? Are you reflecting peace? It's in the prayer room that our character gets shaped and formed. It's in the secret place that God starts working inside of our life. It's when his people pray together corporately, when we lift up holy hands and we stand in the gap for our nation, that things start to shift. Every living person's marching towards eternity and they're gonna spend eternity either with God or away from him. And you know, if you're streaming us today and you've never given your life to Christ, he loves you, he died for you, he made a way for you, a way of escape from your life of sin. And if you'll believe that Jesus died on the cross for you, if you'll repent and turn from your sinful, wicked ways and surrender your life to Christ, he will change your heart and you could be assured of a place with him forever in heaven. And before I go to communion in a couple minutes, I'd like all of you, no matter where you're at, if you're able to, take a moment and stand up and lift your hands to heaven. And I found some prayers that some people have written. The first one I'm gonna pray for all of us was written by a man named Kevin Prosh. It was a song, actually, Save Us, O God, and I want to read a portion of that right now. Father, we confess the sins of our nation. Lord, we're guilty of a prayerless life. We've turned away our hearts from your laws and we've taken for granted your unchanging grace. Turn away, Lord, this curse from our country. 
We say we've robbed you and our storehouses are bare. Open wide the floodgates of heaven and rebuke the devourer so we may not be destroyed. Lord, your word says that if we humble ourselves and begin to pray, you would heal our barren land and cleanse us with your reign. You know, another one that I want to pray for us right now, Ann Lotz, that's Billy Graham's daughter. She led the nation in a confession of 12 national sins. This was in the U.S., but it applies to Canada too. She said, we confess our foolishness of denying you as the one true living God, our creator, to whom we're accountable living as though our lives are a cosmic accident with no eternal significance, purpose, or meaning. We confess we no longer fear you, and thus we've not even the beginning of wisdom with which to handle the vast knowledge we possess. We confess to believing that the prosperity of our nation is because we are great, while refusing to acknowledge that all blessings come from your hands. We confess that we depend upon our military might and our weapon systems to defend us from harm and danger while denying and defying and ignoring you, God. We confess that we've succumbed to the pressure of pluralism and our desire to be inclusive so that we honor other gods as though you are just one of many. We confess that we've allowed the material blessings you've given us to deceive us into thinking we don't need you. God, forgive your people for being apathetic in this area. We confess that we feel entitled to what someone else has earned instead of taking responsibility for ourselves and our families as we trust in you. We confess that we live as though material wealth and prosperity will bring happiness. We confess our greed has run up trillions of dollars, billions of dollars in Canada of national debt. We confess our arrogance and pride has led us to think we're self-sufficient in ourselves. We confess national addiction to sex, money, pleasure, entertainment, pornography, technology, drugs, alcohol, to food, to television, to popularity, and to ourselves. We confess that we've marginalized truth and mainstream lies. And we confess that we've become one nation under many gods, divided and polarized with a license to sin, and justice that often does not follow the rules of law. You know, and after Ann Lotz led the nation in a confession of sin, Ronnie Floyd, who's involved with one of the denominations in the South, he stood up, and I just want to take an excerpt of his prayer, because I think it's powerful and I think it's timely. Lord, when we look across our country, we think about things that still break our heart and forgive us of the deplorable, wicked sin of killing the unborn and justifying it and rationalizing it. Oh God, in Jesus' name, forgive us. A generation's been lost and you created a man and man is destroyed. God, forgive us. Change our ways, change our mindset in this nation. And we pray tonight against the injustice towards people, against the wicked sin of racism that's completely opposite of the gospel of Jesus Christ. We stand against it and we proclaim, O oh God, that you would raise up your church to model racial unity, reconciliation, and racial love. You know, as we go to the table today to partake of the Lord's Supper, our covenant meal, we need to be praying, church. We need to be praying with one another. We need to be praying corporately. We need to be praying privately. Because it's in that place of prayer 
that the battle's won or lost. It's in that place of prayer that God's gonna transform you into his image and likeness. It's in that place of prayer. So fathers, we have the bread in our hands. I thank you that in your brokenness, you made a way for us to be whole because we are truly broken image bearers. And we need, Lord, you. We can't do it without you. We need your presence to sustain us. We need your power in our lives. And Lord, we know that if you are for us, then who can be against us? So I ask, Lord, that you're removing the apathy from your church and the sin of prayerlessness and that your people who are called by your name are gonna humble themselves and pray like they've never prayed before. That holy hands are gonna be lifted up all over this community and the name of Jesus is gonna receive the glory and the honor it's due. And Lord, we're gonna lift up the name of Jesus and we're gonna trust that you're gonna draw men to you. So we thank you for the standard of righteousness that we can raise over our homes, over our cities, and over our nation. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for your brokenness to bring a way to heal our land today. In the cup, the blood of the new covenant, this day, Jesus, we thank you that you shed your blood for us that you purchased our freedom personally. And Lord, as your people spend time with you, some are very convicted right now for their prayerlessness. Thank you that at the cross we can receive forgiveness, but then we need to sin no more and move forward in faith. And Lord, as holy hands are being raised and as people are crying out to you, let the cry go out across the land and let your spirit empower and quicken your believers, your saints, so that we could fight on our knees, so that we can fight the forces of hell. We know the victory's won, but the battle's still raging this day. So Lord, in our land, let us do our part. We'll continue to lift lift up holy hands and to call out to you. And Lord, I thank you that you hear from heaven and you heal our hearts, you heal our land, you heal our nation, because only Jesus can dissolve the division that separates so many. He's the only one that could dissolve the, the wall of sin that separates us from his presence, in Jesus' name. Well, God bless you all. Thank you for tuning in with us today. We'll look forward to talking to you next time, and hopefully we'll see a few more of you on our stream this week as we pray together and continue to lift up holy hands for our city and our nation.